1: Sam gave him a secret superpower, and that is that he has the ability, in spite of whatever derision he might be in face of, to see the good in others. Even when they can't see that in themselves, he can. And that's what made him infinitely humanizing.
2: Well, hello, folks, and welcome to The Awardist, where we are chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year, and we're breaking down the state of the 2023 Oscars race. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall. Today, uh, we have the Whale star and first-time Oscar nominee Brendan Fraser. He chats with EW's Joey Nolfi. But first, we are going to dive deep into the lead Actor and actress race and joining me to do that are EW Senior Movies editor Joshua Rothkoff and EW writer Lauren Huff. Hello to you both. How are you? Hey.
0: Hi. Good to be nice. here.
2: Nice to be here. <laughs> Thrilled to have both of you here. Uh Lauren, so glad we we got you on this season. Um and I know you have. Um, Maybe some very specific thoughts about a, a performance or two we're going to talk about today. We'll, we'll, we'll explain what I mean a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do want to say, uh, because Brendan is our guest today, that uh, I would like to get right into um, his performance, that movie, the whale. Um, just to give folks a little bit of a, a timeline, really, um, about the the Oscar <laughs> history of this movie. It uh, got some really incredible reception, especially for Brendan's work on the fall festival circuit. He was getting standing ovations. He was shedding tears. Um, it was a um, it was a really delightful sight to see um, Brendan, very uh, just taken aback by um, the reception and what folks thought about his work in the movie. Then. Uh, We started to wonder if he was perhaps peaking too early, but then he got all of the precursor nominations, though he did not win uh, the Golden Globe. He did lose the Drama Actor Award to Austin Butler. So I wonder, Lauren and Josh, were either of you actually really surprised by that? I think it's interesting just to add that um, I am hearing as recently as last week
3: that Brendan continues to get the standing ovations. He's continuing yeah. to get the applause from the audiences. And one of the ways that I've found that's interesting to look at this race is that The Whale is very much an audience movie and definitely works for audiences. Whereas Colin Farrell, Banshees of Inisherin, seems to be working a little better with critics mm. and is winning mm-hmm. and is winning. Obviously, one won at Venice, is winning awards from several critics groups, including New York, Los Angeles, the National Group. Um, And then there is a third bowl of porridge here, if you're Goldilocks. (laughs) There is a performance that is both uh, connecting with with critics and with audiences. And by that, I mean Austin Butler. Mm -hmm. But maybe that Austin is rising in this. Lauren, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, to answer your original question, Jared, I, I think I was a little bit surprised um, just because the, you know, as you pointed out from from very early on this year, it seemed like that sort of had – that Brendan had that sort of front runner narrative. Yeah. Um, and I would say that he still probably does um, just for the sheer, sheer likability factor and, and sort of what Josh is talking to, um, sort of tapping into the, those feels that that the film really <laughs> does. Yeah. Um, but I, I was surprised. However, I mean, I think, you know, it's important to point out that the Globes are kind of weird, especially with everything that's happened. So it's hard to read into the Globes so much this year. Um, not that you necessarily would on any given year since they don't share, you know, membership with the Academy. But, yeah. um, you know, that being said, I, I think I was a little bit surprised. But, you know, I, again, whenever they split Categories like that with comedy and drama, it's also hard for me to like sort of read into those tea leaves, you know.
2: Yeah, that does that does complicate matters. And then, of course, there was the matter of Brendan saying uh, very publicly and openly he was not going to be attending the Golden Globes for uh, you know his own personal reasons. um, A situation years ago where he, um, you know, he says he was uh, sexually assaulted by a member of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. So I I totally understand that, that he doesn't want to be there. I would like to think that they didn't slight him because of that. Um, But yeah, to your point, Lauren, splitting up those categories certainly adds an extra layer there. I, I do want to point out um, in terms of predictions, uh, at, here at Entertainment Weekly, we're actually a little split because Joey Nolfi has uh, right now Brendan winning, but Dave Carger is going uh, the direction of Colin Farrell. Um, and he actually thinks that, uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, that um, that if anyone beats Colin, that it would be Austin Butler.
3: Yeah. I, I and, and this is a split that I'm seeing. Customarily, across a lot of different publications, and I, I think it depends on where you place the emphasis. If I mean, just like with the Golden Globes being a votership that doesn't really cross over with AMPAS, the critical groups are also a voting body that doesn't really cross over at all with AMPAS. But if you place the emphasis with the perception of audiences being overwhelmed, you may be on Team Brendan, and if you place as I know Dave does, if you place more of an emphasis on the perception of critics liking a movie, then the emphasis will be on Colin. And also, there are these other narratives that always are advanced by publicists. Colin Farrell is due. He's never been nominated for it. I mean, Brendan Fraser has obviously been off the scene for many years, but Neither of them have been nominated for Oscars, but there is a sense that Colin has been doing such great work for so long. And you could, you could say, you can't say the same thing for Austin, obviously, who is a wonderful newcomer and we'll be seeing a lot of. But I, I think that that narrative of the actor being due really plays to Colin's favor.
2: Mm hmm. Well, uh, and, and, you know, speaking of critics, uh, you know, Brendan did win the Critics Choice Award. Um, he was he was quite overwhelmed there. Uh, he is up for the SAG Award, along with Colin Austin, uh, Bill Nighy and Adam Sandler. Those same folks are nominated for the Oscar, except swap Adam Sandler for Paul Mescal. So all of that said, um, what do you think? He has going for him uh, in in this campaign and, and with his performance. I'll start with you, Josh. You mean uh, what does Brendan have going for him? Uh, yes, Brendan, yeah. I mm-hmm.
3: I think what Brendan has going for him is his just unfailing modesty, how moved he is appearance mm. after appearance. He is, giving, he is giving the performance of his life, you could say, not just with the whale, but with this campaign. And I don't want yeah. to, that to sound cynical, but he is – Genuinely moved. And every single time there's an opportunity for Brendan to really make an impression, as with the Critics Choice Awards, he's really nailed it. I think that that, that goes a long way. Um, I, I also think that Colin, um, is, uh, he's been, he's a little press averse. He, he whatever he does mm-hmm. appear he's obviously very charming and has great anecdotes and the gift of the gab. But that's <laughs> yeah. but that said he is he is not um, he he also is is not doing as much press as Brendan. I think mm-hmm. I think you have to work it. I mean Lauren, you could you, I, I know you have thoughts on this, but with the rare exception of a Monique or someone and I have a feeling we'll get to her in just a minute. You <laughs> yeah. you have to work these campaigns. You have to you have to really yeah. it's a job in and of itself.
0: Yeah, I think especially too this year there since they are all first time nominees, they all can kind of claim that narrative, you know. So it's like in that way I think you this this year maybe more so than some others you do really have to sort of work that. And I do think that what what Brendan has going for him is just that he you know, every time you hear brendan discussed and and whether that's online or in person at these events whatever the the overwhelming narrative is he's so likable he's such a great guy everybody loves him everybody's rooting for him and of course he had you know some of those bumps early in his career um that we've Mm -hmm. already talked about um that that sort of give him this like comeback kid narrative that is just so so irresistible but also what's going for him i think is that he has a really really um showy performance, you know, like of of yeah. the, the nominees here. I'd say Austin Butler does as well. Especially
2: in that third act.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean he's he's doing so, so, so much. Um and so he's he's mm-hmm. just he's just hard to root against um in and, and so many ways. He has he he checks sort of all all the boxes. But I personally want to see what SAG is going to do. I'm sure we'll talk about that in in future episodes. But um that's sort of where I look to see, you know, if, if there's gonna be a, a shock, I feel like it's gonna be seen there first,
3: and one other one other uh advantage for Brendan, you could also say was the nomination of Hong Chow for the whale, yes, but in other words, the more nominations a film has, the more opportunities yeah. for a voter to say, "Oh, I have to watch the whale now because there's two performances, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah.
2: Banshees has
3: several more performances yeah. nominated, but that still does yeah. help the whale, yes.
2: yeah, yeah, for sure, Banshees has a uh, four if I'm not mistaken, um. Yes, yeah, four. Yeah, Banshees has four. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once has four acting nominations. Uh, so that that definitely um, plays <laughs> plays to their favor a bit. And, and I think another thing that Brendan has going on here, um, which uh, actually Joey no- Nolfi points out um, in his predictions, is that Brendan's is a performance that uh, is, of course, it's a big transformation. Um, and some of that done with prosthetics and CGI, uh, but some of that um, on the behalf of Brendan himself. And the character is also, uh, he's, he's a a gay man. Um, and we've seen lots of, uh, gay performances, um, honored in the past, Tom Hanks and Matthew McConaughey. Um, you know, just to, to name a couple there off the top of my head. Um, do you think that will, uh, factor in, in any way here?
0: Yes, Jared, I, I actually, one thing that, that Brendan really has going for him, um, which I'm sure Joey has pointed out before is that, um, the whale was nominated in the makeup and hairstyling category, which yeah. there's a really interesting tie in between that category and acting categories. So that Brennan definitely has that going for him for sure. But it, it goes back to what mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier, where to, to the actor's branch, it, those, those big showy, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, those are just, they, they stand out. They really do, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes at the expense of these sort of smaller, more, more lived in performances.
3: Sure. Fun fact for you guys, the, the prosthetic work that was done for the whale is done by the same artist who did the prosthetic work for Megan. His name is Adrian Moreau. <laughs>
2: okay. I g- give Adrian all the awards, right <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. that's>, uh, <laughs> well, that is, wow. Those, those, uh, movies of course on very opposite ends of the spectrum, but, um, I, I love that for Adrian. Um, all right. So, um, so this, this, this category gets really interesting as we've uh, all kind of talked about here. It definitely seems like a, a three man race uh, for the best actor Oscar. Dave Carger's also said that here. And, and, you know, look um, in previous years, it always seems there's been, you know, that front runner. Of course it was, it was going to be kind of crazy to think if Will Smith did, would not win last year, but, That's what kind of makes it exciting to watch come Oscar night. It's like, really, it could be any three of those guys because they have all won awards throughout this season. Um, So it's not been just one guy taking it home every time. Um, So that that makes me certainly very excited for March uh 12th. Um on the flip side, something that's not been very exciting and to uh really kind of bear witness to is is what's um happened in, of course it it's resolved now, um but over the past week uh you know in, in the aftermath of the Oscar nominations when Andrea Riseborough did in fact rise to the occasion and get uh a a, a nomination. Um some folks would would call it surprising i feel like we were starting to see the writing on the wall um in the days leading up to the announcement of the nominations given this um you know grassroots uh campaign that was um you know really kind of catching on like wildfire in the industry with lots of a-listers uh you know uh, supporting her performance saying so on social media hosting um private events and screenings for her because uh, her movie to leslie had uh I mean, I'm going to say essentially zero budget. I don't know exactly if they, uh, you know, had any money at all, uh, maybe a hundred bucks um, for uh, for some hors d'oeuvres at a screening or something like that. But in um, a South by movie, it was a, it wasn't even at Sundance or at a
3: major fest. It was right. South by Southwest. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I don't recall anyone when I was at South by last year talking about it. And it's a movie set in Texas as well. So, um, that, that was kind of surprising to me that this movie came out of nowhere. Um, I, I believe both of you have seen the performance now. Um, I th- I think she's very deserving of her nomination. Of course, it comes at the expense of folks uh, expected nominees. Uh, Viola Davis and Danielle Deadweiler uh, did not end up in the category. Um, also, uh, you know, Michelle Williams getting in there and Ana de Armas. So we could also say, so, you know, some folks saying let's actually look at them instead of Andrea as the ones who, you know, took um, Viola and and Danielle's spots. But let me first ask this before we get into um the the controversy of the past uh you know two weeks or so lauren you're a texas girl (laughs) what did you think of to leslie and andrea's performance
0: um i thought i thought andrea was lovely i mean very 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 deserving um i have sort of a weird perspective on on the film um just as somebody who does have i mean my entire family is from that part of texas and so it was a little Mm -hmm. bit um some parts had a little too close to home for my my particular oh. liking. But but yeah, I mean I think it's it's really, really, really hard to fault that performance. And I think it's yeah. it's definitely deserving of the the accolades and the the mm-hmm. the praise that it got. Um, I remember speaking of like the we kind of knew it was coming. I remember yeah. watching the Critics' Choice Awards and when Kate Blanchett gave her a call out. Yeah. That's when I was like, oh okay, yeah. <laughs> all right, this is this is probably happening. It's serious. Yeah,
2: yeah. Josh, what did you think of her in the movie?
3: When when a movie hits close to home, like you say, Lauren, that's that's to its advantage, right? That, that, that speaks Mm -hmm. very highly to it. I remember I've Mm -hmm. seen my share of Long Island movies. They're not as, they're not as exciting. (laughs) I think as the Texas movies, but something, something like that education with Hugh Jackman. And I'm like, I I know that Roslyn that's depicted Mm -hmm. on screen. I know, I know that scene and they're, they're nailing it. That, that was, that was very apt, but I thought her performance in to Leslie is is beautiful it's it's a lovely performance and yeah. and and also i mean to andrea's credit she's so consistently excellent and so it doesn't matter if it's you know if if it's mandy or a genre film or if it's a drama or she can do comedy she's she's great thoroughly and i mean i it would be a shame if she was always going to be thought of as an Oscar nominee with an asterisk next to her, yeah uh, next to her name because she's really one of our best like like mm-hmm. if, uh, if someone said this online, I can't really take full credit for this idea, but if there was a movie about this whole you know last two weeks and and andrea's you know unlikely campaign someone like Kate Blanchett would have to play Andrea Riseborough. Yeah.
2: That's how good yeah. Andrea
3: Riseborough is, you know? So, yeah, so I, I, that's an interesting thought. I'm, yeah. I'm very, I I'm ambivalent <laughs> about it because obviously there are other ramifications here and the, in, you know, the external yeah. perception, the optics are not great, but Andrea herself, I think is blameless.
2: Agre- mm-hmm. Agree completely. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, um, I think a bit of it would have been wild to revoke Andrea's nomination for uh, folks who aren't familiar. And, and just to recap, for folks who are, uh, the Academy announced uh, that they were going to conduct an investigation into potential illegal campaign lobbying um, that, that led to Andrea's uh, nomination, though I do want to state that they at the time did not specifically state that it was Andrea or Best Actress. It was kind of a blanket statement looking into um, all campaigns and the categories. Uh, But then when they did release their statement, their findings, they uh, very specifically um, mentioned uh, to Leslie. Actually, let me read that statement. Based on concerns that surfaced last week around the To Leslie Awards campaign, the Academy began a review into the film's campaigning tactics. The Academy has determined the activity in question does not rise to the level that the film's nomination should be rescinded. However, we did discover social media and outreach campaigning tactics that caused concern. These tactics are being addressed with the responsible parties directly. Now, um, Josh and Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know that I have ever specifically seen what might be the uh, you know, the the major offense here. There were rumors that some Academy members um sent uh, letters, not just saying, hey, have you checked out this movie, but very specifically saying, "Vote for Leslie," which that is against the rules um, i I have not seen the proof uh, of those letters, and i don 't know if anyone uh, else has either um, but as far as I know these little uh, these little events, these little screenings are not against the rules they 're not against
3: the rules, and i haven 't seen that evidence either, but another one of mm-hmm. the rules that 's I think they 're digging into that that 's very hard to pin down is. You're not supposed to disparage other potential nominees, and I think that that's it's. It would seem obvious. It would seem just a matter of (laughs) fair play. But Mm -hmm. but I, as I understand, yeah, this isn't a presidential election, right? Exactly. (laughs) But but as I understand it, there were, um, you know, there were a lot of there was a lot of, you know. Gushing support for Andrea and her performance, Mm -hmm. especially when you have people like Kate Winslet saying, This is the best performance I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, like there, there was Mm -hmm. a lot of, and, and, and I'm not going to call that hyperbole. You know, she's, she can think whatever she wants to think. But once you cross the line and say something to the effect of, This is much better than, say, Kate Blanchett or whatever, then you're really, then, then that's not, um, that's not kosher per the, per the, uh, Per the campaigning bylaws, and I'm sure that's what they're digging into. That said, and I really want to put this to you both because this is the essence of it for me. If 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 we're saying that those slots deserve to go to other people, or those or other people were snubbed, those those slots were for other people, I don't know if that's a tenable position. I don't know if saying those slots belong to or deserve to go to other people. You can't really legitimately say that. I, I, I no one has a slot locked. Yeah, not even Kate right. Blanchett had a slot sure. Lo- sure. locked. Yeah. and 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 I am convinced, although I don't have evidence of this either, that Will Smith's friends were almost certainly campaigning for him as yeah. well for emancipation. That is a campaign that did not work, but. Had it worked, you would have basically had the same situation. Obviously, you, if you have famous friends, you reach out to them. There, there, there are laws in campaigning; you can't go too far. But, but I, I can't really roll with anyone who's saying this is a slot that was. You know, they put in the work. Yeah. They put in the campaign work. They put in the spend. There are plenty of of. of you know monique for example like we were saying before yes. she's someone who did zero oscar campaigning and actually
2: won <laughs> yeah so for precious it's yeah it's it's certainly an interesting situation and look this category like best actor is still one that's uh that has folks split. Um because even even here at Entertainment Weekly, Dave Carger is leaning toward Cate Blanchett right now. Joey is going with um Michelle Yeoh. Uh by the way, the other nominees in the category um are Michelle Williams and Anna de Armas. Um I am seeing folks on Twitter saying they're not saying her by name, but they're saying that Essentially, don't be surprised if, quote unquote, she wins on Oscar night. And, you know, they're all, of course, referring to Andrea. Do either of you think she stands a chance in hell of winning? <laughs> Josh is shaking his head now.
3: Just quickly, because I want to hear what Lauren thinks, but but no, I don't I don't think she has a chance. I also think that we have to ask ourselves who benefits from the flap. I mean, I think that if mm. you are of the if you are of the opinion that this was a snub and this is terrible for nominees for potential nominees like Viola and Danielle, then that might lead you to vote for someone like Michelle Yeoh. I mean, mm. and not vote for another white lady i mean i'm I'm just just yeah. bring it out there uh, if yeah. you are of the opinion that Andrea deserved to be n- nominated maybe that maybe that plays better for her or for Kate planchette, but who knows
2: mhm- yeah
0: yeah what I do you think, Lauren? yeah i i too Jared have seen sort of the the scuttle, if you were but it it seems more like people sort of i don't know um You know, doing what film Twitter does best and sort of posing (laughs) these these things to be um, sort of controversial. I mean, I I think I think you can look at it sometimes
2: just saying them so they can look back and say, I I told you. Right. Right. Exactly. Like you're smarter than everybody else. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, listen, I think you could look at it both ways. You know, you could say that this hurts her. Um, Mm -hmm. or you could say that, yeah, it it might, um, embolden Mm -hmm. some people to be like, well, screw you Academy. I'm going to vote for her because that whole investigation was ridiculous. You know, I mean, I've seen, I I think you could argue it both ways really. Um, but just looking at this, you know, lineup of, of actresses and, and what they've won so far and precursors and Mm -hmm. things that we, we do as awards prognosticators, um, does she have a chance? Uh you know, I technically any of them can win, right? Um yeah. but yeah, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It I, I wouldn't sit here and say like, yes, I think it for sure it, it for sure, you know, means that she she's got it in the bag. You know, I do think it's given more publicity to yeah. her and the film, whether <laughs> publicity. Right, whether yeah. they wanted it or not. Um, you know, so so there's that. Um
3: there is also one other thing is that I think that film Twitter is obviously an amplification of of all this, you know, overthinking about it. I think it's rare, if you look back historically, it's rare, actually, that Ampus wants to make a statement regarding its mm-hmm. winner. I mean, very, very often that, I mean, sometimes that happens. But I think that these, Ampus is, at the end of the day, a group of working professionals that want to honor the best in their fields and they take it very seriously. They take it more seriously than sometimes than film Twitter takes it or the general public takes yeah. it. So I think that whoever yeah. does win best actress is good. It's going to be a reflection of what, people thought the best performance was. There are too many yeah. great performances nominated for it not to be.
0: You know, even even my own experience voting for things, it's people vote for what they want to vote for at the end of the day. Like we, we have all these conversations about narratives and does this hurt them or help them or, you know, and like sometimes, sometimes, yeah, maybe you could make that argument. But at the end of the day, I think we've seen um, the Academy multiple, multiple times over the years. Um, just choose what they want to regardless of what critics were saying or not saying about various films. Um, Green Book is a great example from a few years ago. You know, I mean, if they like a film, they're going to vote for a film. If they like an actress, they're going to vote for that actress. So,
2: yes. Yep, indeed. Um, and Josh, something you said kind of tees up uh, one final question I want to ask before we take a break. Um, how do both of you feel about the fact that this was even something that... um was was made public um, like, d- did we need to know that this investigation was happening or do you think that's that was a good move, uh, you know, to be transparent about it?
0: I think they were forced to be transparent about it because I think that report that came out. um sort of jumped jumped their gun, so to speak. And then I think everybody caught on and they sort of had to be. I don't know that they initially would have wanted to be. But as somebody who's not in the Academy, of course, that's just my, my, own, my own feelings on it. I don't have any proof of that.
2: Yeah. Sure.
3: And um, also widening out a little bit, the Oscars have some rehabilitating to do, just like the Golden Globes do. And I think that everyone is going to be tuning in to see how the Oscars play post-slop. And there were all sorts of questions last year about matters of race and matters of representation. So this is something that Oscars are always going to have to be dealing with. So I think like to look what Lauren's saying, their hand was forced. There was no way that they could not make a statement after, Mm -hmm. after this. Um, And I'm, I'm actually glad that I'm, I actually like the decision that they made not to, not to rescind it. I think that they're, They are walking a very fine line. So far, they seem to be walking it well. But Mm -hmm. they didn't have any choice.
2: Yeah. Well, it was a whale of a story, and we have a whale of a movie to continue talking about after this break. Wow. I don't know how I made that work, but... (laughs) I actually, I don't even it know did. if it did, but we're going to yeah, go with right. it. We're going to go with it, okay? Um, so, folks, don't go anywhere. Right after this break, we have the Whale star, Brendan Fraser. The awardist will be right back. Welcome back to The Awardist He is considered by some a front runner. He is considered by others to be in a three-man race However you look at it, Brendan Fraser gives one heck of a performance in The Whale And our Joey Nolfi spoke with him late last year about it Have a listen
4: you're getting so much praise for this film. I just saw it again the other day. I think I cried even harder the second time watching it. Um, And the praise is just, I mean, it's, it's so rightful. Um, But this seems to come along with what people are calling a comeback for you. Um, but I, like I said, I've interviewed you before about roles that you've done in the recent past. Um, You were also in no sudden move last year. In addition to the affair Uh, and then doom patrol, of course, obviously. So do you, do you consider this to be a comeback or do you think that that word can that can that word read dismissive sometimes when people say comeback
1: i had a a brief stint working with danny boyle um on an fx piece called trust Mm -hmm. also in the interim um i know i've been keeping myself busy (laughs) and that's because you know show me an actor who doesn't have a job and they don't know what to do with themselves I, i don't know what to do with my hands and feet unless i have That doesn't necessarily mean that you can, though, um, for all manner of reasons. Careers go up and down on a valley and peak trajectory, but I happen to believe it's always in the ascendancy, it's a personal view. Um, I've never been that far away, is the short answer. And the epistolistic answer is, really? Was I away or was everyone away from me? I'll give you the answer. It doesn't matter. I'm here now. (laughs) And what's important is that um, either by design or accident, the amount of time that it took for me to arrive at the place where I could faithfully play Charlie with the dignity and the authenticity and honesty that I believe it demands may not have been really at my disposal had I not gone on the journey that I have. So I'm grateful for everything.
4: So, I mean, you do seem like this time period you're talking about, it seems like now, in recent years, you seem to be more selective about the types of characters that you play. I mean, Charlie obviously spoke to you in a very profound way, um, and you can clearly see that in the performance, the way that it comes through. So what were your first impressions of the script? And did you consider the character to be a potential risk, either when you first took the part, or did maybe seeing the reaction to the more physical parts of the transformation make you realize that this character was maybe a risk for
1: you you're allowed to take risks in art you should go towards the danger it's where the most growth will come from and oftentimes where the most interesting choices can be made and i i know that to be true given that this film was directed by darren aronofsky world-class filmmaker who constantly challenges the human condition and never leaves any easy answers um, for us to ponder at his story's end. Um, yes, the challenge is good, as I've said. And um, this is a role that was uh, one that uh, I didn't know if I was going to be invited to play because Darren didn't know if he was going to be able to make this movie. It, it was contingent on him finding the actor he needed.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I got word through very Mary Vernieu, casting director that Darren was going to make a movie. I mean, come on, Joey, really, there's no actor in town who would not want to take that meeting. And I'm among them. I'll admit now, after getting to know him, that there was no small measure of sort of creative intimidation that I felt a little bit of when I sat down with him. But he he was a gentleman, and he was really plain spoken about how this film, um, whoever he hired, would require them to uh make a transformational um uh they would would have to make it they'd have to wear transformational makeup and apparatus and costuming and wardrobe and for that he would be relying on um a longtime collaborator of his called adrian moreau who has uh approached creating the character the character body of charlie um Using technology that we have now that we didn't have, I don't know what, like, oh my gosh, has it been 20 years since I did Bedazzled with Harold Ramis? That was seven different characters. They also went through yeah. process makeup makeup. Um, there was no need to lie underneath the goop that was poured on your face this time. We could cyber scan. That model could be taken into a computer. Charlie's body could be created with absolutely absolute control over the, the placement of pores and moles. Right shape and size of it, um, new formulas have been um, concocted in the materials used, the compounding, to create molds through 3D printing to have absolute um, consistency uh, in um, the, the, the number of days that we would have as Charlie, uh, it's really takes place, the story takes place in five days. Um, and, you know, behind all of these, you know, creative challenges, The the real challenge was the material itself. This is a man who's been living alone, who's having certain regrets for choices he's made, life choices, choices that life has made for him. Um, And in his profound sadness, which he wears on his body as a manifestation of the trauma that he has endured which he's been trying to cure with consumption it's important to remember that he is a human being he is a person who deserves dignity and deserves respect and the very design of this character while his body type differentiates from my my own at present. I've had my own fluctuation in body weight, but it was helpful in this case to put the two together to create Charlie from an authentic standpoint, you know, yeah. get as near to him as was safe for me to do um, and uh, have the faith that what we were doing in this process of making this film, granted that it was shot, during the time of the height of the pandemic, the pinnacle of the pandemic before vaccines that we had um a great deal more concern for one another's well-being both safety-wise and also emotionally in working with such emotional material and when when i watch this film maybe you i hope maybe you saw something new in it the second time you saw it but i see i see i see a secret ingredient um, and I don't know what it is. And then I thought, you know, I think it's because we were all so concerned about one another during that time of making this film. Mm-hmm. We all cared for one another even more, and we all lived under all of us. I mean, everyone in the world. We all lived under the existential threat that there may not be a next week or a tomorrow. I mean, it was in your mind, and yeah. so for that, it was more of a privilege mm-hmm. to be able to come to work and. I know that for my part, it fueled a need to give everything that I I had, everything I knew that I had. And then in working with Darren, you're going to have to go a little bit further and do it many times and leave it all out there because uh, we might not be able to be lucky enough to get asked back to do this again.
4: And I think that it's, it's. I love hearing it, it, this entire trail that you've been talking about this film. I love the care and consideration that clearly has gone into um, you portraying this character and seeing him as a human. I think it's, it's no secret, obviously, that the film has drawn criticism for that portrayal too, for people who are looking at maybe the superficial elements of it. But you and Darren and Sam have all said that the film was made with lots of research, lots of love for the subject, and it's an exercise in empathy is the thing that I keep hearing. So do you think, that the intent of the artist still matters in Hollywood right now with relation to a complicated piece of art like this? And do you think, does that at all impact the way you work, knowing that it might not matter to yeah. certain people?
1: You need to remember that this is one man's story. It's it's not representative of everyone who lives with a body such as Charlie's. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's not, it's not autobiographical, but it is based on what the writer intimately knows well. Having grown up in Idaho himself, uh, a, a, a gay kid who went to a a religious school who I I believe unfairly treated him with disdain. They outed him. He he had a certain degree of sadness and also a pedigree that he took that sadness and he turned it into his art. So, yes, I think it matters just as much now as it as it as it did formerly. The portrayal of this character, again, with the mandate that it's done in obedience of the laws of gravity and physics. Um, what we've seen in b- body types as such in films previous prior to this one, and, and I, lo- I looked at a lot of them, Joey. You know, I I think that those costumes, whether they were ill-intentioned or otherwise, they put quotation marks around. A person who lives with obesity and it might just be because it was an athletic actor inside a silhouette of a costume that was filled with cotton batting and you know our our brains go hang on you know it, it it's about defying gravity here you know it, there's a disconnect but that doesn't that didn't exist in the design of charlie mm-hmm. he does have mobility issues he does perspire profusely he does look unwell he does not eat for pleasure he does have flaws. He is someone, in spite of all of these things, is, is still somehow eternally optimistic. Yeah. I, I think it might be born of having had lived a life wherein he likely was scorned and derided by virtue of who he simply was. And he needed to make a decision about whether to just not exist or To lean into what he knew about what he cared about, about books and literature and teaching and being an educator and drawing out truth and honesty from people as the way to their redemption. And at the same time, Sam gave him a secret superpower, and that is that he has the ability, in spite of whatever derision he might be in face of, to see the good in others, even when they can't see that in themselves. He can. Mm-hmm. And that's what made him infinitely humanizing to me. That's what made Charlie make me feel empathy and affinity for. I have three kids of my own. I have as much love as I'll ever need for the rest of my life. The very thought of that they might some way be overlooked or forgotten is something that that I I, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. If that was really a circumstance in my life that is similar to the one that Charlie lives with, the pain that the man goes through. Yeah. And you know, well, that's just, you know, all actor voodoo and alchemy. It helps to work with an actress like Hung Chow, who has Wonderful. an ability yeah. mm-hmm. that I saw with these eyes to say more in the pauses and in between dialogue than anything she could be speaking. To work with this newcomer, Sadie Sink, who is scary talented, the kid's a jewel, not a diamond in the rough, she's fully cut. And you can look at the facets of her. It's new this way, it's perfect this way, it's perfect this way, it's new this way. And I had a front row seat to just watch her win the game bowl every single day I worked with her. I mean, seriously, I was going up on my lines all the time. Just getting lost in her emerald green eyes and we had three weeks to rehearse this i mean what 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 production company gives a director that amount of time and money to get their project shot the way they want and darren Darren was insistent and we 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 worked on a a taped out set a one-to-one um uh, flooring in a rehearsal hall for that amount of time so that we we actors walked around, you know, with our scripts in our faces and getting all our mistakes out first and learning what the heck we're really doing before we arrive at the build. And uh, Darren and Maddie Levitique have already figured out where they're going to put the cameras so they know how to shoot this story that's told behind closed doors in an anonymous apartment in anywhere in northern Idaho or all across America. And we get to see what the world is like that charlie lives in it's a story that's played out that's so often overlooked but oh so familiar to those who are touched by it by their their family members or their friends or their loved ones who are put in awkward positions such as hong chow's character is yeah. is you know de facto caregiver she is a healthcare worker so she's torn to be bringing him the food that she knows is unhealthy for him but she still as a human has to decide it's not my place to judge him Um, because she knows he's as helpless to his compulsion to consume just as is anyone who has 50 bucks burning a hole in their pocket can't walk past the poker table just as anybody who uses to get the dopamine receptors firing in our brains It's all the same to her, but still, Charlie is the last connection to her late brother, given that her brother was his lover, was the man who he fell in love with, hopelessly, with calamitous consequences, given that maybe even for the first time in the guy's life, he fell in love. I I don't know. That's not in the story, but, but, but... it had to have been significant enough for him to have made the choice to, in his guilt, admit that he abandoned his daughter. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth that sets him free. When he can finally get through to her in order to let her know how mistaken he was, how sorry he is, what this contrition means to him, it's it's almost as if when he finally convinces her to read her then eight-year-old version essay, which is brilliant in its little kid honesty about Moby Dick and how it's just about boring chapters that are descriptions of whales. And it's really just the story of the author is trying to save us from his own sad story. I mean, it's beautiful writing and perfect in its simplicity. But when he gets her to read this, aloud it's it's almost like a fairy tale, you know, when you read the spell from the book and it's something magical happens and and he's liberated. I did really want to talk to you about Ellie and Charlie
4: uh, in the final scene and what that essay means to him. I think that is a great uh, explanation of it right there. So I do want to hear your interpretation if you're willing to share if you think Charlie is actually walking at the end and why Ellie, gives him that task. You're good.
1: <laughs> you paid attention. Yes. <laughs> Ellie torments him when she cases the place out the first time she sees him. You notice that she stood behind him. That's not just because she was like checking the place out. She hadn't been there or ever at all, I don't think. No. Um, but she knows he can't look over his shoulder. He, he she, She's torturing him a little bit. It's because she's cross. She's angry for the sadness she feels. And that's how this 17-year-old brilliant kid um, uh, 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 comports herself. Now, she goads him into taking to his feet, knowing well that he likely cannot and that it would make him very uncomfortable to do that without even having the assistance of his walker. But she takes it away from him and makes him prove himself, and he cannot. Darren shot the fall that tumble that Charlie takes like it, it was spelled out like uh, like uh there was a stunt coordinator that came in yeah. to do. So, you know, it looked a lot more harmful than it really was to me. It looked like it hurt. It was just acting. Relax. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's important because it's a Herculean effort that he makes to even take to his feet. And for him to finally break through to her, it, it, humble himself before her and let her know that he made a mistake and he's sorry for it. I think that maybe while his life has not physically ended in that moment, I think that he knows he doesn't need to live any longer, which is why he takes off his breather. Mm -hmm. He's got her reading the essay and it's, he does take to his feet like three Olympic deadlifters (sighs) and takes his baby steps to his baby. And in that beautiful two shot, a great white light appears and they look skyward um depending on your belief system spiritually or otherwise we see that charlie with a touch of magic realism he finally does he does fly
4: Mm-hmm. so still up, you're making me emotional again talking about it but like so still up for interpretation I think is what we well, safe to say we don't we won't put it it to be. be I think it
1: should yeah. be mm-hmm. work never be. ever offers up any right. easy answers to the human condition and I don't think it should because there's always going to be someone who's not going to like this movie there's a character in this movie called Thomas he's a drifter he's a little bit shady he has a lie a couple of them that he's on the run from He gets called out by Ellie and with good cause. And she doesn't rat him out necessarily, but does help him make the choice that he needs best, which is to go back home. In her own way, yes. (laughs) In her own way, he is. But remember, his name's Thomas. Mm -hmm. Wasn't Thomas the doubter in the Bible? He so much uh, always refers to. Thomas Mm -hmm. is those members of our society who can't be changed they will always look at charlie and say you're disgusting Mm -hmm. they'll hide it until as we saw charlie physically do back him up against a wall and speak his truth and then once he does it sets him free yeah
4: yeah no this is i this is exactly the kind of while we're still leaving a lot open to interpretation i think that you know, giving people these little pieces of the puzzle is going to be really helpful, I think, to people who are going to have questions after this ending. There is something that has been giving me a lot of joy on the awards trail recently. We've seen a lot of Ki Hoi Kwan, um, who's getting a lot of awards buzz for his role too, and you previously starred with him, I believe, in Encino Man. He was in that film. Um, that was his last American movie before he took this big 36-year break. So have you run into him on the trail at all? And like, what is it like
1: to him get that recognition? We um, went to a round table and I, you know, look, I I, I saw everything every while at once. I was like, this is the most awesome movie that has ever been made. <laughs> I love this picture. I love Michelle in this. She's an old friend. Yeah. And I went, hang on. I know him. I know him. And then that week he got back together with Harrison, who I got bragging rights to knowing also. And I went, you guys, you're like my, you're like my friends. And. I be, his his name wasn't key in the days that I knew him I, right. the reasons that we just don't abide any longer is because some agent told him that eh, no one's going to understand you or whatever right. we, we don't get to do that anymore he mm-hmm. is who he is and and the journey that he's taken to come to this place has given him I think the role of his lifetime and he has given I think the performance of his lifetime and in many ways I, I like him feel the same way Like we, 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 we gave it everything we had because what's the worst thing that could happen. Somebody might not like the movie. Oh, boo hoo. Too bad. We we're lucky enough to be able to do this again and darn well happy to have the opportunity because it's an oldie, but a goodie, but it's nice work if you can get it. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I love that. I love seeing both of you get so much uh, good recognition on the trails
1: of our, like we're still here, man. We're still here. (laughs) <laughs> yes i love
4: it so a lot of people also have very obviously publicly supported you on this trail as well from adam sandler elizabeth hurley to the rock um so have you heard from anybody else that is sort of uh you know crept into your well i don't want to say dms but like texted you and like you know a surprising person that has wished you congratulations on this
1: sure i've heard from people i've gone to college with who you wouldn't know um it's nice to hear from uh um, from Matthew Mungle, who put me in transformational makeup first in the film Bedazzled.
4: Yeah, I love that movie. You
1: know, we've come a long way, in the way you, that's created, the way this is created, um, I, 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 it's, 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 it's heartening that uh, it, it's, it's a story that seems to be really touching people in the fields, and they're reaching out to say hello again. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm really grateful for that aspect of it, for real.
4: Mm -hmm. I know EW's audience is obviously also very obsessed with the Mummy franchise Bedazzled 2, George of the Jungle Um, so many of your iconic blockbuster movies Um, so were there ever any serious talks for sequels or continuations to any of those movies um, that you've done over the years that never actually happened?
1: I think George got a remake in it and they built a joke into it that the studio was too cheap to hire me which wasn't inaccurate
4: (laughs) Um (laughs) confirmed Whoops! Uh, I guess. But they did make it. So, so there were discussions to do another one with you, and and it just the contractually didn't work out.
1: I was approached. Um, I, I I think I, I can't remember what I was doing at the time, but I I felt like I wanted to go and do the Quiet American instead. Oh yeah, with Michael Caine and shoot. You know, in the first Western film in Vietnam ever, um, directed by Philip Noyce to tell an infinitely American story, written by a Brit. Um, so I guess that's what, you know, I, look, I've always been making diverse choices and yeah. I, I'm i hopeful that that keeps me interested and an audience interested and, and uh, with a bit of distance. Um, I think that they've all kind of cumulatively led up to the place where I am now. Mm-hmm. So
4: given to that place that you're at now with we have so much going attention going on at the awards trail
1: with the whale, has anybody reached out to be like, come back to the mummy? Uh, not like officially, no, but uh, I know the fans have. I've been really having a great time in recent years um, in my so-called hiatus. I've been going to fan convention- conventions. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. Just keeping it real, meeting everybody and thanking them personally for putting me where I am. Um, I-, I think I got over myself insofar as I'm too busy or oh, that's not for me or uh, I felt like um, I... I I uh I I don't I don't know what I was thinking I needed I needed to get I needed to, I needed to be grateful show, have some gratitude yeah um and, and also I learned that it's a great way to get in touch with friends again because everybody's everybody's um who, who does these all it's it's like it's like a it's like a reunion campus in the green room at, at one of these um conventions you're mm-hmm. making new friends as. And there's nothing at stake given that, you know, it's not an award show or anything like that. And um, um, that, 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 that's that been really helpful, very, yeah. very, it's almost like taking a victory lap to sit at a table for, I don't know, an hour and two or 300 people come through a line and one after the next, like an assembly line, they thank you, but it's not really a victory lap. It's more like that you're taking, it's more like the, vic- the vic- victory lap is taking you. <laughs> and, right. Um, and also, it's good also to to hear from people who've let me know that some movie that I've done at some point or another has been meaningful to them. Either they're maybe they're in a rough patch in their life, and it made them feel good, or it distracted them, or it it, it gave them a sense of um, I don't know re- re- uh, everything we love about films doing, and that's always up to a writer and a director, et cetera. But I'm glad to have played a small part in that <laughs> to help bring it to them. Yeah. So
4: we just got to get you and Michelle together again to do another mummy.
1: That sounds like fun. Would you do it? um, I'm always looking for a job. If anyone's caught the right conceit, (laughs) um, I think I'd never been as um, famous and never been as unsalaried at the moment that I am now. (laughs) So spread the word.
4: Brendan, thank you so much for your time and for giving such a wonderful performance. I'll I'll
1: see you around campus.
2: Well, that interview was uh, a, a real treat, um, and, and I'm glad uh, everyone gets to hear that. Um, I, I am—I will say—I am with Joey on the fact that that um, you know the end of that movie really packs such an emotional punch, um, and Brendan is just fantastic in it. I mean, it, all of the, the work with Sadie Sink. I know a lot of folks don't like Sadie in this movie, but I think it's more of a reflection of not liking the character because she is certainly um, not likable for lots of reasons. But I think you know, I think Sadie played that well. Hung Chao is just fantastic, um, but but yeah, Brendan, um, you know, I mean, look, here's the thing: it's it's a guy who's sitting on a sofa uh, for the majority of a movie um i think it's it's also kind of important to say that this is a movie that is based on a play um i kind of missed that memo before i watched and i think it um once i then realized that it made a whole lot more sense to me um you know it's in this one location um a lot of folks don't like the middle act of the movie i didn't mind it um so it's a it's um I don't want to say like polarizing because that makes it sound like it's either like, oh my God, I hated the movie. Um, and I haven't really seen that many people just be downright like it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It is worth noting, by the way, it did not get a best picture nomination. Um, but that's certainly not for, um, you know, folks thinking it was going to, but, um, yeah, I don't know. This, um, this performance is, uh, I think it's it's a really fantastic one. I think it's uh, going to be a career changing one for Brendan, um, and and that makes me very excited for him. Um, and winning the Oscar or not, I I think to not to sound cheesy, but he's he's actually won because of this role. He's back. Um, he's back. And, he's, and he's in yeah. the new
3: Martin Scorsese film. Yeah. He'll
2: be in Killers of the Calm. Yeah. He's
3: and and I love the fact that Brendan Fraser's is back because he he yeah. always had um, a sense of self awareness about him that that made his commercial work more fun smarter mm-hmm. more interesting um this this isn't like the the reclamation of an actor who was inessential Brendan Fraser has huge fans and I when I think yeah. about the films that I that I loved um, that I saw him in when I was much younger stuff like Encino Man. And airheads yes. and the mummy yeah. movies. I'm glad that this guy is back. He's had a rough road. Yeah. I yeah. also th- I'm I am not a huge fan of the whale. Um, just laying my cards on the table. But it's not just that it's a play. It feels very Darren Aronofsky to me too, in a, in a ways. In that mm. this is a director who always makes films about the body being kind of a a, a prison. A crucible. Yes. And it, it's yeah. the wrestler or it's Black Swan or whatever Black it is. Swan, and yeah. it's kind mm-hmm. of like this is a very Darren movie in, in some ways. It it doesn't necessarily have some of his formal um flourishes and ticks that you would see and but but yeah. it is true to his preoccupations and I find that fascinating as well. Lauren, what do you, what do you think mm-hmm. about the whale? Just let us let us know. Let
0: it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, I just watched it last night, and um, I I, I want to talk about Brendan first um, because I, as a child of the '90s, dating myself here, um, I grew up on his movies. Like he is, mm. and I think that's a big part of his. Uh, resurgence and people coming out and being like, oh my God, I love Brendan Fraser's because all of the people that like grew up on his movies are, are now adults like me um, and who, who have seen all of this and, and just have such a warm place in our heart because he was such yeah. a, a crucial part of our I don't, adolescence our childhood. Um, okay. At least that's how I, I feel. So yeah, I, I am all here for it. Um, and, and he's such a good actor. I mean, I think people forget that. I think when somebody makes a lot of their name on these sort of, Fun action movies or silly comedies um you you kind of tend to overlook the fact that 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 actually takes talent to to do some of that um and I think that that it got sort of lost um in the conversation of just how great of an actor he is so i'm I'm thrilled that he he has this vehicle and I'm so excited to see what yeah. it does for him, regardless of whether he wins, although I think of course he has a great chance at winning um the whale itself i'm I'm sort of mixed on. I really, to be honest with it's you guys, one you kind
2: of have to sit with a little while. I know you just watched it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I went into it, not going to lie, kind of assuming I was going to hate it. Um, just <laughs> everything I'd heard about it. I, I just, I, I was sort of, I sort of dragging my feet on it. Cause I just felt like, Oh gosh, this seems so depressing. But I think what I was surprised by was how, how optimistic his character is and how, um, how how warm his character is, despite everything that that happens to him and and the way that mm-hmm. the world treats him, and um, I, and
2: the way he treats himself.
0: Yes, yeah, and mm-hmm. and I think that yeah. Brennan was the perfect person for for that because he again he's just such a warm personality to begin with. So it just it just comes yeah. through even even under all the the prosthetics and all of that. Um, so yeah, yeah so I don't know, I'm point. I'm sort of mixed on it. I I didn't. I didn't hate it. I, I mm-hmm. don't know that it all. I, I did find Sadie's yeah. character. It's not without its faults. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it does have a really beautiful um, third act that I did did appreciate. Yes. So yeah, it's sort of. You know, not, yeah. not all bad. not well, all and good. those
2: those third acts are important, <laughs> especially are? when it you know it comes to voting because those are the parts that uh, that voters are certainly going to remember how it ended, how it made them feel when they left the theater. So, it's a uh, it's a it's a really important note that you just said right there. Uh, and by the way, you can uh, viewers uh, viewers, and by the way, uh, you listeners can also check out Brendan on the cover of EW's latest awardist digital magazine. Uh, Josh and Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for for having us. us. Yeah, of course. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you like what you're hearing here on The Awardist, you can follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We are at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. We will see you right back here next week. This episode of The Awardist Podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.